<laughs> it's just that easy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that, you know, should have its camera off, Frank. Jeez. My name is Frank. <laughs> I'm Paul. I actually I actually like the, the it was nice to see you in the upper right corner of my screen. Now I just see a photo of Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, Teddy in a in a in a sombrero crossing the finish line on Cinco de Mayo. Um, there you go. What can I say? You know what I can say is the Buffalo Bills are the undefeated juggernaut of the preseason. Uh, they won the Bills game against the Lions by a score of 20-something to 20-something minus N. Uh, I don't remember the exact score, but I know it was in the 20s and the Bills won. So there you go. Um, they did things. They scored points. They threw. They ran the ball. Actually, they didn't throw it very as much, um, but they overcame Matt some. Matt Barkley threw it. He did. And yeah, they have one guy who throws it every week. Well, he's like the. I think someone said he is the best quarterback of the preseason by the stats. If one were to like like across the league, like he's he's a one. So. Right, and then I did read someone else warned that um, if you based. Uh, you know, a quarterback on preseason stats, Nathan Peterman is a first ballot preseason Hall of Famer. He really is. I mean, he he comes to play in the first in August. He he should be a CFL quarterback because August is a huge month for the CFL. Like that is their that's kind of their December. So, you know, maybe he just is maybe he should just go play for the Ticats and uh, and kill it. So yeah. well, Gruden would have to let him go, and that's not going to happen. So. Well, I mean, give it a week, and <laughs> give it a week into the regular season, and then yeah. we'll we'll see. Um, at least his helmet fits, right? Jeez. Um, oh, twenty four twenty was the Bills. I was going to say they overcame adversity in that you know they were down early and had to battle back through a couple of lead changes. Um, and so I think that's the first time that's really happened in the preseason. I'm um, not count that as a thing that's uh, important or relevant. Not, None of these things are important. I'm trying to Scott. That's my joke. I'm like, <laughs> you're stepping all over my joke, man. Um, uh, it's, Josh it's, Allen. it's like whose line is it anyway? Where the points don't count and or, or where the points don't matter. Whatever. I've bought, the points I've count, but they don't matter, right, or right, something yes. like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, twenty-four twenty. Uh, there were throwing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Um, Josh Allen had a pretty awful throw across his body which I think is the, not the highlight, but the, the most important takeaway throw that he's still, you know, he's still a young quarterback that would make stupid throws. Other than that, um, I don't know what to say. So we'll go to Paul, who I know enjoyed the game from his couch on local television. Paul, yeah. what did you think of the game? And then uh, offer us your Josh Allen thoughts. Sure. I think using the word enjoyed is an extreme, extreme thought. You know, I, I don't yep. know if I was, I said I was, I was certainly before the game planning to enjoy the game because it was the nationally televised game. I just got to, you know, sit there with my Shimei and my wife and watch, you know, some, some football. So I was, it was a disappointing first half for most of it. I liked the fact that they ran the football more and I guess it was a game plan going in. I guess they weren't going to adjust it. So I just need to settle into that. Fine. Yeah. The things which I found more discontinuing offensively, all the penalties, you know, the holding calls, the the false starts, same thing with special teams penalties. Those are things which, even though it's preseason, you don't want to see creep into games. And granted, this was an over, a particularly over-officious crew. They seem to call a lot of penalties throughout the course of this game on both teams. And that that is what it is. 
but it's still a disconcerting sign that I think Cody Ford got flagged. You know, that that stood out to me. So it was difficult to see them not build any momentum on offense. If I'm looking for positives, the second, the two-minute drill at the end of the second quarter, uh, that was a thing of beauty. It's almost as if they said to Josh, okay, we're going to start our five-yard line. You'll hand it off a couple times and then see if you can get in the end zone in five plays in less than 90 seconds. He's like, done. And then they did it. You know, it was perfect on his passes in terms of, of placement. Everything was caught. McCoy had a wonderful run on a draw. And that was uh, that was impressive to watch. And then Singletary, Devlin Singletary, ending that drive with a good block from from Cody Ford for I think it was a nine, nine or 10-yard touchdown run. Mm-hmm. Really, really good to see that. I don't have much to talk about on the defensive front because they just they just keep being good. They gave up one touchdown. I was disappointed to see Matt Milano beaten in coverage, but again, it's it's preseason and I don't want to harp on that too much. So thinking of Allen generally, I mean, we've all, you know, you brought up the the play Frank and it's the one that you know a lot in the press are talking about a terrible decision to throw across his body into a triple covered Robert Foster, I believe, was the receiver. Mm-hmm. It was tough to tell because he was so so blanketed in the colors of Detroit Lions that, you know, it was difficult to see Foster in there. So he did say, you know, it's good it's the preseason. I, I would make this mistake then. I just really hope it's not lip service when, it, you know, everyone's like, yeah, he's going to learn from these mistakes and the mistakes young quarterback makes and he knows not to play hero ball and it just he slipped up now and then. Once that regular season begins, we, we want – pretty much zero-ish of those slip-ups. We can critique Tyrod Taylor in so many ways. One ways in which he couldn't was he was not, you know, loose with that football. He was going to try and he was not going to force it where it couldn't be. Now you can argue, and I think I would agree with you that he did that to an extreme where he didn't take enough chances, but throwing the ball into triple coverage is not taking a chance. That, that's a suicide wish is, is what that is. So I think we can agree there's probably a happy medium between Tyrod Taylor and throwing into triple coverage. <laughs> right. There's Across a body. Like there's like somewhere in there is down the, and four. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's like a second and four. Scott brings up very carefully the down and distance. If that's a, if that's fourth and, and 15 at the end of a game, be my get Do what you got to do, you know, but but no excuse for it in, in that reason. So overall, not the most exciting game. They did win. They are 3-0 and for the first time in the preseason in 53 years. Uh, that was 1966. They have never gone 4-0, and so a chance for their first ever undefeated preseason this year. Their 1966 actual record. Hold on. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be a good uh, good litmus test. So, yeah, that was, that was the last time they got to this point. All in all, definitely happy with the final two minutes from Allen. Not generally happy with the offense and want to make sure Allen avoids the types of mistake, the, the, the cross the body throw mistake that we referenced and some other plays you would like to have back. He was also early on a couple throws to Beasley, which you don't like to see. Defense good and, you know, just getting ready for the uh, the fourth preseason game. And that that is my my complete assessment. The 1966 Bills went 9-4-1. and one starting 0-2, actually, with losses to San Diego and Kansas City before they pulled out their season. Their tie was against the Chargers later that year. They would make the championship game. because uh, it was Against only- the Chiefs, I believe. Yes, and they lose 31-7 to um, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Probably en route to Super Bowl three, right? No, like, they were en route to Super Bowl one. Super Bowl one, right? Yep, okay, right, because they had won sixty four and sixty five. That's right. right. And sixty six, yeah. they should have been in the first Super Bowl, and they weren't. 
Right, that well, home field advantage up. in a game where they lost to the Chiefs 31-7, to and everyone was like, boy, how could you lose that? They'd gone on the road while well, they'd gotten beaten by the Chiefs earlier that year on the road, too. Mm-hmm. But they beat the Chiefs at home in October, and then you realize, oh, well, it was just really who is going to go and be creamed by, by, Green, by Bay. Green Bay. So probably right. a good thing they lost that game. Otherwise, they'd be 0-5 in Super Bowls, right? Yes. Okay, uh, Scott, thoughts on the game, and then... Feel free to to get us into our wide receiver discussion if you'd like. Okay. Um, briefly, I will say um, that was a surely bad game by the Bills that they played. That was not I, – I am not nearly – I mean, like, I, you know, Allen basically had two good throws in – like three good throws in the first half. That's That's like – 10 shy of what he needs to have. And I understand like they wanted to run the ball more, but like, it's not like Scott saying the, he should have been 10 for six. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, that's the, like, I don't really care about the run game in the preseason. Like it's going to work or it's not like, I understand you got to work on it one way or another, but the guys are barely out there blocking and tackling. So it's, 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 it's not really like the proof isn't in the results in terms of like the run game being there. Like, obviously I'm glad that they, they looked as good as they did, but I'm not like, I'm not really like taken to that, but to the bank that we were able to run the ball for, you know, 70 yards in the first half mm-hmm. against Detroit. Um, that doesn't really do it for me. Um, and yeah, especially like, yeah, the Allen throw, there was another one too. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was like in the second quarter and he basically did the exact same thing again. Like the guy was in triple coverage. He threw across his body late and just, he threw it low so there was less chance of it getting picked, but it was still a really dumb decision. And honestly, I'm not even sure I call any more sprint outs for him at this point or any bootlegs because he really like that. It's designed to simplify things, mm-hmm. but on some level, like he's not making the correct decision when you're doing that. So I would say just don't do that anymore. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, I mean, some of them are scrambles, but it, still, I'm not really convinced that, uh, he really needs to do a lot better at that because that was definitely at least twice that I saw it. And yeah, that's the thing. Like you're going to get interceptions in the league just by, you know, stuff happens, you know, mm-hmm. wide receiver tips the ball up in the air. Other guys catch it, you know, miscommunication with the wide receiver things where it's not really anybody's fault. You know, your arm gets hit when you're going forward with whatever um, you really can't have ones where those aren't even 50, 50 balls. Those are like, just as Paul was saying, just dumb decisions that should never have been thrown. So he really needs to cut that stuff out. Um, the defense, I was not particularly thrilled with. Um, I mean, Matt Stafford had like 137 yards in basically 20 minutes of work, which is, which is, I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's not like, he's not, pro- I mean, he's on the edge of the top 10 maybe, but certainly not somebody, but you know, his weapons aren't like ridiculous. Marvin Jones and, mm-hmm. and Hawkinson and, and Jesse James and former Bill tight end Logan Thomas. Um, not really like, a murderer's row there and CJ Anderson running the ball um, was able to find creases in the defense. So I'm not, I'm not particularly thrilled with that. It was certainly not. Um, that wasn't good. The penalties as mentioned, obviously Quentin Spain going down. That's not good news. Um, it sounds like today he was on the stationary bike at practice, which is good because that means he wasn't in the walking, the the walking boot basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but still like <laughs> the, you know, that, shame. the, the, <laughs> The, the offensive line by the by, you know, the end of that second quarter when the rest of the starters were were in still was, you know, like Ford, Spencer Long, Feliciano at center, mm-hmm. Butker, 
at right guard and then uh, uh, and then Dawkins at left. So that's not that's not a that's uh that reminds me of line of, of last year's line and not not in a good way. Um so I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously Morse is back at practice today too. So that's good, but I am a little worried about O-line just in general um in terms of their ability. They still like this will be basically they'll have two weeks together potentially as the starting unit in line. And even then you won't really have it because Spain won't be in there probably until next week at the earliest. So that's not what you want to have coming out of the preseason. And the depth is still kind of concerning based off of, you know, the waddle injury Bates look good. So that's good. The guy we kind of traded the, for uh, Eli Harold, I believe. Right. Yeah. I think we traded for from Philly. He looked okay. But other than that, I'm not really surprised. And then he had turnovers from Beasley. Um, obviously, you know, it's just, that was not what I wanted to see in the kind of the official dress rehearsal game uh, on national TV. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, it's still the preseason, but, but not, not what you're looking for in your dress rehearsal. I, I hear what you're saying on the official uh, um, dress rehearsal, but I don't even, I don't think the bills treated it like that. I think that there's been a definite move by the league teams to like, not really worry about that so much. And even in these dress rehearsal games, I think if you go back over the history of them, you'd probably find that one, they weren't really indicative of how the team played. And second of all, they weren't really like even like, I doubt that that would be their game plan going in against like a Detroit team. So I, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, are you, are you pleased with the performance? I don't think anything of the performance, I guess. I It's not fair that I asked you guys first to go, but my answer is, like, I'm not thinking about this all. I'm already sort of, like, you know, I'll be ready week one to see what happens. And, yeah. you know, everything here is, as far as, like, as far as I can tell, that might have been an audition for the handful of running backs that are available on this team for trade. Because there are a couple more teams now that need running backs, and you're not going to keep them all. And so... It really might have been okay. You know, you know what? Maybe Houston or somebody needed to know that that Lashawn Mokoy like can actually still physically run the run, and we didn't have to like showcase a lot, but just show that both his legs work, and it's not a weekend at Bernie's situation where we're <laughs> where we're pretending that he's you know still alive. Ooh, that's a wacky schedule for next week. Put yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put put weekend and Bernie's down, right? Everybody's quarterback is a. Um, yeah. And, and with Allen and stuff, I mean, I think that it's a, it's, it's a couple of dumb decisions and it doesn't negate the good decisions that we, that he's made in the preseason. And, and more importantly, you shouldn't take either of them very seriously. How many dumb point. decisions do you want him to make on seven throws? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Seven, ideally. And I don't know if we had that this game. No, we had like he had, he had three I've, of those were not great throws. I've thought about this because I think that we have been we as Bills fans have been locked into trying to play mistake free football forever because we've had terrible quarterbacks that can't really throw it. And the last guy who like could kind of throw it was Ryan Fitzpatrick and, you know, Drew Bledsoe before them. And neither the, one of them was like, you know. I guess what I'm trying to get to is like I need I think we need to adjust what we think of as or I'm certainly going to try to adjust what I think of as a good quarterback performance. And I kind of want to throw like not turning the ball over like way down the list now. I'm sort of okay with the idea that, you know, maybe he'll end up 
Are you laughing? Is this laughing that is happening? I'm giggling. Okay. Yes. What are, what are, what are we reevaluating? Accuracy, complete yes. passes. <laughs> yes. Correct decision making. <laughs> not throwing it to the other team. What well, no. one of those? Which... <laughs> if you if you could get a quarterback that could throw 35 touchdowns and 20 interceptions, do you want that one or do you want one that throws 15 touchdowns and no interceptions? And if you don't answer 35 and 20, then you're wrong. Because there's so many more points at stake. You get many more points and you're not giving them all back. And so if he turns into Brett Favre and you have to have a season where he throws the same number of interceptions as touchdowns, I think that you you take that because he's at least moving the ball forward on most of, for most of the year. I, I don't know. I, I think that you we need to reevaluate because I think that the, the premise of mistake-free football is – don't, you know, the Patriots don't go out there and be afraid of turning it over. And neither are the Well, Packers. they also have Tom Brady, to be fair. Well, right, but he doesn't turns, turn it over. He, he does turn it over. Not as often as, as, like, he's sort of preternatural in, like, but he does turn it over, you know. And so does Drew Brees. And so does um, uh, the guy in San Diego. And... They all have offenses that score points. And more to the point, if you have this great defense, then you should be even less scared of turning it over because presumably you're going to get some of these things back. Um, well, then I would just say then you shouldn't put them in a bad position where they're potentially having to defend a short field. It shouldn't and you be should about just the always defense. be punting it away. But I'm just saying it shouldn't be about like the defense is there to do the bad, the boring, shitty job. At, like they're the janitor. I'm sorry. They're there to clean up the mess and get the ball back. That's what they're there to do. And so if you can score a lot more points and have to turn it over some, then score the points. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Frank, in favor of points. I'm in favor of points. And if you've got it and if you're going to turn the ball over. Now, like, is it a super dumb throw that like we don't need that throw coming across your, your chest? And maybe he has to learn to throw that away or tuck it. Like maybe that's when it's okay to tuck it and run it. Then sure. But. I don't mind him throwing into double coverage and I don't mind him throwing down the field and trying to score points. So I don't know. I just don't want to like, I guess what I don't want to do is go into this season and be like, Oh boy, like he's got to learn to, you know, manage these turnovers. I think he should learn to score points and, you know, and then once he learns to score points, we'll pull back on the turnovers. So, so you're saying don't neuter him immediately or at all. Like let's let him have a, a, well, you've a got litter of venture. you're going to have a litter. You're going to have litters of, of Josh. I, Allen. Like what do you have against Josh Allen puppies? I feel I, like Josh Allen puppies would be very cute. I mean, they'd be undeniably cute, but they'd be a mess. Think of all the, you know what? This is going down a bad road. So. Yeah. This is wacky schedule game. Yeah. 15. <laughs> all right. Litter. All right. Okay. Uh, the wide receivers. Yes, we have John Brown and Cole Beasley. John and, Brown and Cole Beasley are the locks. Right, because they we Nick, spent a lot of money and time on getting them. And Nick then Easley, what? Nick Easley, uh, David Sills. Um, I'm going to put anybody Cam, below Cam them. And Vic, I'd say Cam Phillips and Victor Cam Bolden. Cam Phillips, Vic Bolden. Let's put them in the must cut. So then the remaining wide receivers are Zay Jones, Duke Williams, Isaiah McKenzie, Ray Ray McLeod, Robert uh, Foster, on, Robert Foster, Andre Phillips, Andre Robbins. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say you keep. I'm gonna say you have you get to pick four that you want to keep, 
And if you want to keep more than that, then you have to give me the name of someone else who has started NFL games in the NFL. There's, mm-hmm. for all, you can't you can't pick anyone who has started NFL games not in the NFL. Right. That's not allowed. Like, like, they've started an NFL game in Major League Baseball disqualified. Exactly. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. They must have started an NFL game, and you must cut that. They must take the roster spot of your fifth or sixth wide receiver. Because you already got two. You got Brown and Beasley. So right. now you need you got to pick. You give you got to go. You, you can't do. What did I say? Four. Right, of so so we so we can't cut T.J. Yeldon because, or we could cut T.J. Yeldon, but we couldn't cut Devin Singletary, for example, because T.J. Yeah, and, yeah, you wouldn't obviously wouldn't cut him anyway. But right, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna go. Let's go, Paul first, our wide receiver. All right. I, I do like thinking about these. And I love how every year the wide receiver issue comes up and it ends up being negligible. So four, <laughs> I must keep. I'm going to say Brown, John Brown, Cole Beasley are the easiest two for me. Well, no, I, they, they, now you got to keep four more. Right. Oh, now four you gotta more, four, then it's four of the remaining six. Yeah. All right. Then I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Isaiah McKenzie. I'm going to go with Robert Foster. I'm going to go with. Zay Jones, yep, I'm going to put him in there, and Andre Roberts. And for those of you scoring at home, who does that leave out of note? Duke Williams and Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, I think Brown and Beasley, I, I doubt you'll disagree with me on this. One, just for contract reasons, they're near impossible to cut this year. Two, they've been the best receivers in camp in the preseason game. So I, I don't think we're going to have much debate there. Foster, we found out this past week, has been hampered by a toe injury. But even still, you know, Sean McDermott's been praising him, you know, throughout camp and his efforts. And with his ceiling, with what we saw at the end of the last season, you got to That's the reason I keep him. McKenzie, I, I mentioned this on Twitter during the game. Look at the things he can do with the ball. He has a unique skill set that I feel it's it really behooves the Bills to have him on the roster. We saw the end arounds they would run to him last season one of them at least went for a touchdown he had a few others for big gains he had a touchdown on that same type of end around again in the preseason game he he's just got speed that you that you can't find anywhere so i i keep him so then that leaves uh andre roberts the return game i don't want them to be pathetic on special teams and i think he'd be good depth and receiver and i go with zay a little bit begrudgingly and thinking that maybe his we've seen his ceiling maybe he doesn't get much better than this but even still it's a guy who is a competent blocker and he can make plays in the passing game but i am least sold on zay and i think i'd I'd love for you guys to argue with me on these points because i think my my view here I, I debate it with myself, so you can very easily debate it with me. No, I think that the trick with these guys is that you wouldn't really be surprised if any of them were on the team or off the team. So you're in a you're in like and Zay maybe only because he's been here the longest and you you know, they seem to have some sort of honor amongst their draft draft picks, but I he's the guy I think I might leave off. I mean, I think Roberts is a lock given his special teams cape, you know, and he he actually has a guaranteed contract. Um, McKenzie, I agree with Duke Williams. And then I'm sort of between Foster and Jones. And the problem with Foster is he hasn't played and they could be like, OK, he's got an injury and he had chemistry last year. Or they could say, eh, I'd rather have Zay Jones um, because because of whatever they stuck it, they stuck with him last year, which was the easier year to get rid of him. Right. In mm-hmm. a way, because he was coming off of all these issues and, 
uh, you could have just sort of said he's he not a process guy. He didn't catch guy. the ball, and he was having off the field stuff. So yeah, he and he so he was sort of like strangely, you know, I don't know what like the Peterman thing. I don't know what he was doing in practice. Now, of course, he managed to play better than Nathan Peterman, but this is two years in a row where you know he sort of had a slow start. And then kind of did okay. And then we said, well, if he only just gets kind of going, he was relegated to the back half of the Friday night game, right? So he, mm-hmm. so well, he so. did, no, he did, he did start. But the thing was, he kept playing well after they started, which made me think it was a trade bait. Uh, again, I was speculating it could be a trade bait situation of, hey, you didn't get a lot of chances in the first half because we ran so much. Keep him out there and make sure he gets some passes thrown his way. Yeah, the thing with trade bait, and I don't, I'm, I don't, not saying he's not, but he's a second round wide receiver who hasn't done anything. And so, and has had off field issues. And so what are you hoping to get back for him? Right? Like something, anything yeah, sure. late round. Hey, we, we gave away a seventh round pick for Corey freaking Coleman. Could yeah. That's at least true. get a late round pick for a guy who's got 60, 70 NFL catches the last couple seasons. And, you know, has shown at least some progress. So yeah, I think I, a, maybe a sixth round ish pick. I think Jones is the one who, who's most likely off the roster and it really might come as as paul's hinting at here through trade um maybe with somebody else but i don't have anything in mind i don't know though i think that outside of the top two we're kind of stuck i think it's i think those and 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 again like beasley has this particular you know skill set he's gonna be a he might get eight catches for 82 yards or 65 yards or something but i i don't know what am I trying to say? I'm like neither neither one of the wide receivers is like game breaking talent. But right, this is so. this is where I quickly would like to remind everyone they apparently did try to get Antonio Brown, so they had some sense of what the wide receiver core needed. Mm-hmm. So Ray Ray um, McLeod's the only one that neither of us. Yeah, Ray Ray, Ray 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 he was not on my list either. So I think okay. Ray Ray's uh, not not looking good right now. He needs a big game on on Thursday. I need this to say. Um, yeah, so I had Ray Ray on the bottom and then, yeah, I mean, I also had Andre Roberts in cause of the, the special teams kind of acumen, obviously like a pro bowler special teamer. So that, that's fine. Um, then you get after that, um, I think it's tough because Foster in some ways I feel like is, has the highest upside of anybody to a certain extent, like He's bigger than McKenzie, and he's right. I mean, at least of at least of this crowd, to a certain extent. Like Zay Jones, you kind of know what he is at this point. Like he's not, he's not bad. He's just he's not getting a lot better either. I don't think. Like they say, he's like bigger and tougher now, but I'm not not seeing it. Um, Foster's got kind of the most potential, so I kind of want to keep him for that reason. Also, but, a tiny controllable contract too. Yeah, five hundred seventy no, k. Yeah, and then you can sign him as restricted. And then, yeah. um, so there's that. But then balanced against that is that, you know, Zay has probably been the most productive technically because he's just in terms of overall catches. But I'm not really sure that's much more of just him being an average NFL wide receiver. Um, and then McKenzie, to me, is also in. Like, McKenzie, for some reason, has, like, these really inconsistent hands. Like, he'll, like, he can catch some things. But some then... day there's six fingers. Some day there's <laughs> He has exactly. two palms. It's Something, really he's weird. He's got a toe on there. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I remember him fumbling last year. He's had like 
catching the ball issues in the past. Obviously, he had that one in Detroit where like he he dropped it, the other guy caught it, and then he wrestled it away from the other guy, which is not how you draw it up in uh, in wide receiver school. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, so I think he's in. Roberts is in, and then it goes down to Foster, uh, Jones, and Williams. And I really like Williams in terms of what he brings. So I think Williams makes it for me, and I think Foster makes it for me, and I think Jones is on the outside looking in. Well, right. you you agree perfectly with WGR's Joe DiBiase. You said, if I were the Bills, I'm only keeping six wide receivers. He says, Brown, Beasley, Foster, McKenzie, Williams, and Jones. Or no, you had Roberts on there. I'm sorry. So I'm yeah. Right Roberts is tough because it's like also like, I mean, McKenzie is like really good on special teams. I don't know if he can do kick returning. If he, if he was competent at it, I'd think about it, but it's just, uh, I'm not, I, I, I don't really know that he is. So anyway, that's, that's the game. The end. Well, there you go. Uh, what did we have next? Because I don't have this. Yes. I it's... found the conversation window finally. And, uh, yeah, next we had the, Injury news Here we go. On, on the list, although I think we can... We kind of covered it, right? We did. We, we can supersede it with one bit of breaking news, which is that uh, it may not decide the punter battle, but the, uh, as Joe Biscaglia calls it, Corey versus Corey Puntapalooza has ended. Yeah. Corey his, Carter out. Yep. And we claimed outside linebacker Jeff Holland. That's the other part of that story. Yes. Uh, so we'll so see. I, I, I think it's probably late for Holland to make the roster. Maybe someone they have an eye on for... The practice squad is is my thinking, or just a camp body to play in this four, or not a camp body, but a preseason game, game yeah. body, yeah. Um, I think so, it's probably just why would you go into this last game with fewer bodies than you you're allowed to have, right? right. I do, yeah, and I do think one element with uh, even though Bohorquez is the only punter left, as Colton Schmidt found out last year, just because you're the only punter left doesn't mean they're not going to look to to make a move anyway. So I think it's yeah. key for him to have a big game. Uh, this week. And yeah, the injury news, I mean, Morse is back practicing, which is a good news. They still list him in concussion protocol, but I believe that is really just a ploy. So he does not have to talk to the media before the fourth preseason game. So I, I'm pissed he's not going to get live preseason snaps, but I understand the reason why, and I'm not going to debate that. And the only other one I think of significance is Quentin Spain, really, because we don't know how serious that is, but he was on the bicycle today. Everyone else, Trey, Trey White, White also is fine. Trey yeah, White well, practice today. Yeah. You know, I think everyone else was good. So that's, I mean, so to come out of the third game, largely unscathed, hopefully that's, that's, that's the real, you know, you're the, you're the real winner now, dog. Right. If, uh, the only, the only players they lost long-term in the preseason were one guy who had injury concerns and was probably not going to be a starter, which was EJ Gaines. Right. And the other one was, Ladrian Waddle, who is, again, going to be your ninth lineman on a nine lineman team. So, you know, if they have a lot of injuries to tackle this year, maybe that'll be frustrating. But barring that, but if they have a lot of injuries to tackle, they're probably screwed anyway. Yeah. And uh, that's the name of the game. Don't get screwed. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Andrew. Yes. OK. So the the biggest thing to maybe happen to the Bills uh, didn't even happen to the Bills. It happened to the Colts. Um, my wife is a Colts fan, as you guys know, and I sort mm-hmm. of told her. And as was pointed out, if I hadn't told her, there was a chance she would have gone quite a while without actually knowing. But I don't really believe that because she follows enough people on Facebook from Indianapolis who probably would have posted on it. And though, I, though for the record, my wife told me. She's like, hey, have you heard of Andrew Luck? I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> 
And then she's like, hey. you're I'm like, what? And then, of course, she lost me for the rest of Saturday night while I went to Twitter and other sources. She Well, she learned her lesson, didn't yep. she? <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, a very, I don't want to, I don't want to call it, I guess it is strange. It's not bizarre. It's, he is a, you know, retired at the age of 20. Let, let me just say the news, right? <laughs> Andrew Luck retired at the age of 29 uh, from professional football in the middle of a contract with one preseason left to game and certainly left the Colts in a bit of a quarterback lurch. Um, there is an understanding that the front office had some warning at least a week or so uh, regarding his pending retirement. Excuse me. Um, and he was booed coming off the field against the Browns by fans who found out about halftime or at the end of the game from uh, Adam Schefter. Um, and then there was supposed to be a press conference Sunday, but they just had it Sunday night. They just went out and did it right then Saturday after night. the game, Saturday night. Uh, right. They, he was supposed to do it Sunday. And then he, they just had, they just moved it up to Saturday night. Uh, as he explained, he wasn't well physically. Uh, he had made a promise to himself after 2016 that if he is ever in this sort of get hurt, fight through it, rehab and kind of place again where he was as bad off as he felt then that he just would not that basically he would quit football that that's how he would um save his body and he you know made a choice for himself and his his family not to play anymore um i guess the colts are not asking for their their bonus money back uh i don't really know how this affects their cap i'm sort of interested in wondering like how going forward his contract is treated since it was sort of this Rando retirement out of the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I, I think you get to go on the reserved retired list. I think the Bills were able to do that with Incognito last year, if I remember. Okay. Uh, who had yeah. a similarly bizarre retirement. Yeah, yeah. Or no, so uh, looked it Eric up. Wood. Colts will lead uh, $12.4 million in dead money this year. Uh, that raises their dead money to a weapon total of $13.7 million. They literally had $1.3 million total in dead money. Before that, so the good news for the Colts is they can afford it. So 12.4 yeah. million this year, 6.4 million in 2020, and then he's off the books. That's honestly, as far as dead money goes, that especially for a quarterback contract, that's about as good as you can ask for, really. Oh yeah, um, we talked about the Bills being finally out of dead money jail. They already have 9.8 million in dead money going into this year. Right. So and they'll have at least 5,000 next year. That's and, uh, you know the yeah. the Colts drafted high this year and maybe would have thought of taking a quarterback if, if they had known in April that this was going to happen, but clearly he thought he'd have a chance to play. Um, man, it kind of sinks the Colts on a lot of levels, even though uh, mm -hmm. they're still a, probably a good team other than, I think they were, you know, they were a playoff and I think some people were picking them for AFC championship. So I, I, I don't want to say like they're a three win team now, but it hurts a lot. And so I open the floor to you all. I don't what I would like to know is, first of all, your thoughts on the retirement and any sort of um, feelings you have on it. And then second of all, how you see this affecting the league or the, the bills or, or however you want to you know extrapolate from there. And then I'll finish up with some thoughts before we go to to Facebook. Which I don't think we have any questions. Uh, so, oh, so right, I got to pick somebody. Scott, you go first. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> the last duty of an MC before any, <laughs> before the time he talks is to tell someone else. To I figured it was my turn last time, so I'm like, yeah, we'll just rotate this, yeah. to Scott. Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, I think this is something we're going to see more of. I mean, I think 
when you're, I mean, I think this is kind of the, it's weird. It's the other side of this um, kind of the money kind of thing that professional football has turned into is that, you know, for many years it was kind of, well, you can play for 15 years and you can be, if you're good, you can be rewarded very well for many of those years and, 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 you know, be a, a 10 millionaire or a hundred millionaire pretty easy when you start adding up endorsements and other things as well. But the issue is that when, um, when you get to this part of the league now with concussions, with, uh, post, you know, with post-concussion system, with, with, uh, CTE, with all that other stuff, I think you're going to find more guys who are like, well, honestly, the rookie contract in many cases, unless you're a first round draft pick is not going to be enough to really like retire for the rest of your life on. It's not like go home, like, like yeah. go back to the farm. You can, you can, you can go home now, but the second contract usually is like once you kind of gotten the rookie money, and you that's enough to kind of get you set up in your career, pay off whatever debts you might have had. I mean, most of these guys are scholarships from college anyway, so they're not paying mm-hmm. for school anyway. Um, so they don't have a normal life going into the NFL. Um, but, you know, if you put some of that aside for your rookie deal, you take care of your family, you get that second contract signed. Then at that point, the guarantee is the signing bonus is going to be, you know, maybe even for a low round guy, even for like a a guard maybe on his second deal is going to be, you know, like some of these guys, the bill signed, you know, two mm-hmm. or 3 million, four or 5 million. Yeah. in NFL terms, that's not a lot of money, but in real world terms, like it's a lot of money. That's a <laughs> lot of money. And then you get it all up front and then you get to go do something else with the rest of your life where you can try and make some more money. You can have a second career. You can coach, you can, you know, announce, you know, you're not going to be an NFL, you know, an NFL announcer, but the football industry, high school to college, is actually quite large. And if you made it that far, you can probably find a job on the edge of that, regardless, somewhere. Or you can actually, you know, for some of the smarter guys, you know, maybe they can actually, you know, use the degree that they, they got in school, which for some of these guys, it was actually a real degree. So I, I think we'll see more of this kind of as we go on. Because, yeah, Andrew Luck didn't need to make more money. I mean, he's got he's got more money than 99.9% of Americans. Like, it's not... I mean, it's not even really that close. So um, uh, I think we'll he's see not, more of it. He's not in an occupied tent on Wall Street. He's No, no, he'll be just fine. And I mean, in, in some ways, if you want to say Chris Borland was before him or other guys were before him a little bit. But I think in some ways, I think I appreciate the the mental kind of bravery to do that on his own, that, you know, he would he he was willing to kind of do this. I think that that is a certain type of bravery. And, you know, in terms of his team and stuff, I mean, I think everyone at at some point, once you get kind of past that first deal or, you know, and then once you're maybe towards the end of your career, you start thinking about, you know, you're a veteran, you got one last chance at going and you're kind of depending on the team to give you a shot. Maybe that's when you start thinking about the bigger picture of championships and legacies and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But other than that, for most guys, I think they understand it's a business. That's what they always say when guys hold out, when guys contract negotiate, um, when guys are doing other things. And they say, you know, they say that the two things that guys in the NFL respect are like, who's who's a bad mother effer? You know, who, who, who hits hard? Who's good at their job? Who doesn't mess around? That kind of thing. And then who makes money? Who gets paid? And Andrew Luck got paid. And he was, and he was a pretty bad mother effer, too. 
I mean, like as far as quarterbacks go. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's kind of sad at the league that we don't get to see him, but there's a lot of new talent coming up too. And the only other thing I'll add is this makes the AFC one team less good. Like, so now there's a little more room in that wild card kind of area. Cause if you said maybe Indian, maybe Houston, I guess would probably be the number two, maybe Tennessee would be kind of on the edge there. Mm-hmm. Now those two teams. Yeah. Now there's a little more room in the AFC South for one of those teams to get a playoff bid. And then there's one less team kind of fighting for one of those wild cards where even I think under the most optimistic Bills productions, you're not going to see a lot of guys taking us down, having us taken down New England for the division. Right. So I think I think that makes the wild card a little more open. I think I'd have felt before I get handed over to Paul, I, th- I think I'd have felt better about it helping the Bills if they actually played the Bills in the regular season. Agreed. I'm, I'm kind of worried that like the AFC South and some of the teams that they play might get some artificial, not artificial, some earned wins that they weren't expecting. But, you know, that's probably no more than a handful of teams by the time you really add it up. I, it also made me think of Jake Locker who retired early. Um, I was trying to think of his name. And uh, also, you know, we, this, this happens. It's, it's, it's noteworthy because it's Andrew Luck and not, countless guys who just hang it up at 29 and go, well, I'm not getting my contract, you know, or I'm, I'm done with this, you know, it's so it is kind of special and noteworthy. I have a few more thoughts, particularly with regards to, um, his position and ability to do this as well as kind of like the, I don't know, I guess they're the fringe position that like he's, he's soft and a quitter and a failure, you know, as a, as a man for doing this, um, you know, there's sort of, one of the better tweets I saw was that, you know, everybody in the in the Colts locker room is like, you know, he's a warrior and, and one of the toughest guys I know. And Tom, who hires somebody else to cut Tom, your neighbor who hires somebody else to cut his lawn, says that Andrew Luck is soft. And so I think that that sort of summed it up. Uh, but, Paul, do you have thoughts or do you believe that Andrew Luck is soft and, and a wuss and. I think not. he does defend your position. <laughs> yes, How dare defend you? it. How dare you? It does segue well into what I would open with, which is that while I largely agree with Scott, I think the best counter to him among the reliable heads on Twitter goes to Steve Berline, who the former quarterback who had a few good seasons in the NFL, more than a few good seasons. Well, he had a lot of seasons and a few were good. Um, but he <laughs> Some does, good seasons, more other seasons. Well, yes, Any more season you can finish is a good season. He had one year where he was like a top three quarterback and then the rest of the years he was a quarterback. So, yeah, he was he always he said he was a huge Andrew Luck fan. And then he notes, um, you know, he says points it's a massive decision. He said he is pondered for 10 days and the Colts invested for five or 10 more years. He says, you know, the best course of action would have been to go on IR, get away from a few for a few weeks and think about it. And if you get healthy for the second half of the season, the Colts will be more than happy to make you their designee that can return from injured reserve and come back. And if you think you're done, then you you have more time to think about it. So he says, you know, he wasn't concerned about the millions that he walked away from because that's something that only affects him. But the decision to walk away just prior to the season affects his team, organization, fan base, and the entire NFL. So... That, I think, is one appropriate counter you can make, but I'm going to agree with Scott. And I think general logical sentiment is that when you're you're done, you're done. And, and Scott had noted we can expect to see more of this. And then Frank was saying, you know, it it does happen, you know, and we, we don't think about it. This happened with the Buffalo Bills uh, within the last month. Do you remember this, guys? 
Of course I don't. Oh, yeah, no, this is... date builds history already. Yeah. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Raphael Bush retired less than a month ago. Exactly, and I, I barely registered yeah, it. Barely registered. <laughs> he, I looked up, when, and I think it was uh, Scott, when he was talking about his earnings, kind of inspired me to go and check this out. Undrafted free agent 2010, the most conservative career earnings estimate I found for him was on over the cap, and that was $8.81 million. So here, wow, for Raphael Bush. Yeah, for Raphael Bush, an undrafted free agent who stuck around to play eight seasons, very rarely full seasons with a team, usually just a, a fringe roster guy, but you know, got a couple of multi-million dollar contracts in there, multi-year, multi-million dollar deals, and has set himself up for life and realizes that now at age, he just turned 32, I think within the last couple of months, decides, you know, it's it's time to to walk away. You know, this is not, yeah. not for me anymore. None of us put up a huff like, you really are hurting the bills by doing this, Raphael, because we're like, oh, well, we've got he Nickel, Sear, and Neil behind. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He's got... got <laughs> Got big nickel Sierra Neal behind uh, Poyer Hyde. You got Jaquan Johnson in there. It, it just wasn't a position where we were worried. And then they signed, uh, you know, what's his name to bolster the secondary, the veteran guy, not Munderland, I think, but the other other player. Oh, uh, well, yes. Thank you, Coleman, Kirk Coleman. So, you know, we didn't we didn't pay attention to that because it was Raphael Bush. But I don't think any people are arguing that Raphael Bush didn't make the right decision, you know, and, and he didn't inconvenience his team as much as Luck's decision does. That's nothing. We had a guy retire at halftime last yeah, year. So, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's the counter to when you're done, you're done. You know, I would might be on the border of, yeah. of, of hurting your team at that point. <laughs> yeah, that is the example. <laughs> that, might, that might be where you are there. I think the lie, and this is what, not to go off on Avante Davis tangent, but like, even if he had just said at halftime, like coach, I don't think I can play anymore. I'll come out for the second half if you need me, but you know, I'm done. I would still be pissed at him. I still think that's a low move, but at least he didn't leave, you know, he left at halftime and left his teammates out there to fend off and figure out what the hell was going on. Uh, but that that's that's the line, in case you're wondering. But I, I totally respect Andrew Luck for this decision. He knew he was done. He was not enjoying the sport anymore. He possibly could have pondered it longer, as Steve Berline said. There were avenues for him to do that without having as uh, much of a negative impact on the team as it does. So, but more power to luck for making that decision. And on the, you guys have really done a good job covering the impacts on the, the, the AFC in a way it helps the bills because it's a team that they were expected to be competing with a playoff spot for now is Jacoby Brissett going to be that guy. We've seen enough of Jacoby Brissett, I think to know that, you know, he's not, the bills are undefeated against Jacoby Brissett, I believe with it, with a two and O record. So I, I don't think he's that good a, a player. I think the Colts have a generally decent team. We'll see how they respond to this. But they're going to now have to look for a quarterback, which means they're going to be one of the teams next year that's drafting a quarterback in the first round. And the Bills will say, thank you very much. That lets a, at least one better player fall to us if needed. So, yeah, it's going to have a ripple impact. I think it really does help almost all the teams in the AFC uh, and, and Buffalo being one of those. So, you know, kudos to Andrew, best of luck to him, his new endeavors. And I, I can't argue his decision. Everyone should go take a look at that draft class. And it's amazing how the top 10 or so players have all kind of flamed out. Um, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, RG has made it longer than Andrew Luck. Who would have thought? Uh, in years, but not games. Right. Oh, yes. I mean, um, the other thing is like the Colts never drafted linemen. They never protected him. And, 
and until they, last year, yeah, right. And they kind of brought that on him. I don't want to say they brought it on themselves because mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they did, but worse, they brought it onto him. And he got crunched a lot. And so, you know, maybe if they dealt with that differently, you know, it comes out better for luck and he still wants to play. I feel really bad for Frank Reich, which we haven't actually mentioned because, you know, he takes this job thinking he's got the quarterback. And now we're all going to find out if Frank Reich is a good coach or not. Really. Yep. How <laughs> like much we're... credit has he just earned and how much was just, uh, you know, right. hey, lucky. And the last thing I want to say Tail, dovetails uh, with Paul, and I'm not having a go at you, Paul, but I want to make sure, you know, Raphael Bush makes $8.1 million over eight years, and sure, a lot of us would wish that we could, you know, take $8.1 million, but that needs to last for him. I don't know his position, and that might need to last the rest of his life because you don't know what people's prospects are after um, football. And I, and, and I bring this up specifically because Andrew Luck came from a place of privilege on top of being an excellent quarterback who was paid well his father was a quarterback who then went on to become an athletic director at a big college and the lux never really wanted for anything anyway and so one of the criticisms i heard of luck was that the reason why he that basically a, a hungrier player let's say would have fought through the pain because that person would have had to and, you know, because you're not just providing for yourself, but in a lot of cases, some players are providing for families and extended families. And Andrew Luck doesn't have to do any of that. His family is fine. And so it's a question of privilege. And my only I guess it's not a straw man. I heard other people talking about it. We weren't talking about it here. But what I guess what I would like to say is I'd like the idea that more people could retire earlier. Scott says we'll see more of it. And we and maybe we will. I kind of hope we will. I kind of wish that. The 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 story wasn't well. Look at this privileged guy who gets to just walk away from this game. I wish it was. Gosh, I wish everybody who felt no longer comfortable playing football and was worried about their long term health uh, had the opportunity to kind of retire <laughs> um, and and know that they would be okay. Like I wish that we lived in an NFL that took care of their veterans better, um, etc. And so I just want to be and I and, and again. It's just a thing where, like, you think about, you know, well, if, you know, hopefully Raphael Bush was smart with his money, but you you don't have to be that stupid with money um, to not be able to make a certain amount of money last, especially by the time you're being taxed and you're 29 and you have a you have a very long life ahead of you. Um, and I'm sure he'll do other things, but when you are when you live and breathe football, which is what they want you to do, um, and then they then football goes away, you, you've got to reinvent your life somehow. And it's easier for a guy like Andrew Luck to do that than other people in the NFL. Um, and I guess that that's just something I think that listeners can think about for themselves and what they, what they make of it. Um, we are going to skip FB and Twitter because I don't think we have any questions. And nope, so we're... Yep. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, B. Bills MNY. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everyone who interacted with me on Friday. That was a fun time, including me. I interacted with yes. you. Um, Scott, do we have our wacky schedule in this? And then we can go to this day in Bills history. Yes, we do have wacky schedule. We will start wacky schedule now. Okay. At, at... Robot Scott has taken over I am uh, wacky. for this segment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm wacky. Um, 
trying to remember what the first one was. So I will slot the third one into the first one, and then we will go from there, and I will see if I can remember. Okay. Your, your first one, potentially a pivotal game this season for your Buffalo Bills at Cleveland Browns, Sunday November yeah. 10th. Um, the the up-and-coming Cleveland Browns. Um, the NFL tries to add some excitement to this game by making both coaches – Stand on raised platforms and not move for the entire game. Something that's mm-hmm. never been done before, unless you watch the preseason game on Friday, which I found <laughs> just <laughs> to see Matt Patricia just just have to stand and watch and then call people over. I just found that incredibly fascinating. I don't know why, but if you want to count this one as the one where nothing changes, this is that. So, are, well, you said not move. Do you mean like they have to like stand it's like a statue? Too, it's so, not talking too. It's not. It's like yeah. it's not freeze tag. You can't like they can they can move side to side and talk and move their arms. They just side. can't leave their designated. Yeah, their raised platform. Okay. Approximately three feet above, so they can see what happens on the field with an unobstructed view, um, and they can communicate, but they cannot. Uh, you know, no pacing, no work in the refs. That's it. Well, if this just isn't the wackiest thing I've ever heard of. He always gives us this one a year, which is kind of like this is essentially Bills versus Browns go. <laughs> Scott, it's it's all Scott gets to punt once a once a year. Yes. It's good. Um, well, Paul, what do you think? Uh, I, I mean, let's see. So, uh, you know, the, the mobile coach isn't talked about much. You know, it's effect on the decision. We talk about mobile QBs, talk about uh, how quickly a running back can cut. You know, I can, oh, you know what? I'm going to make my decision based on one piece of information, Scott. So he can move side to side, left to right. You said he can move his arms. Can he clap? Uh, yes, clapping is permitted. All right, then I'm going to go with the bills in this one. And I'm going yeah, to say big clapping. Able to clap that the bills are going to win this game uh, 24 to 23. All right. What's the head coach's name of the Cleveland Browns? I forget. Not Greg Williams anymore, thankfully. Not Hugh Jackson. Freddie Kitchens. Okay. Sure. I need to know how tall is Freddie. That's true. How tall is McDermott? He's like five, I'm going, eight, yeah, five I'm, ten. Maybe. How tall is Sean McDermott? Not Scott McDermott, my friend from school. <laughs> Sean McDermott is another five foot seven guy. He's my height. He's he probably weighs about thirty pounds less than me, and or he weighs the same amount and it's all muscle. Freddie Kitchens, uh, Cleveland Browns bio. Did he play football? Freddie Kitchen college staff. I think he was with Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, Alabama quarterback. Well, I I think I'm going to go with the Browns here because I'm guessing if Freddie Kitchens was a quarterback for Alabama, he's taller than five foot seven. Um, and you know, oh yeah, Shaw, <laughs> McDermott's five foot seven and 140 pounds, and I hate him uh, because I, not one of those pounds isn't muscle. Um, five, but but Kitchens, uh, normally I don't like to prejudice against the short uh, because I am. 
but in this case, I'm guessing that he'll be able to see and more than McDermott, and he'll be able to reach more players. They'll be able to look at him and notice him better, and so he will uh, he will just be able to be more commanding. So the Browns. So I'll take the Browns. Yeah, I think you know the leadership of the Browns helps out here based on a a few inches. Okay. Sometimes this 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 game is made of inches. They're all around us. Yep. On this team, we tear each other apart, tear everyone apart for those inches. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, ultimately, yes, I will qualify this as just a football game, and I think it's tough because if it was Bills at home, I would I would probably take the Bills, but on the road, I think <laughs> I probably would take the Browns. But yeah, as Paul kind of points out, it'd probably be a bit of a squeaker. And I'll put it at like twenty one twenty. Yeah. Uh, twenty one twenty Browns. So moving on. Mm. At my I'm, I'm the one who has not yawned yet. There you yeah, go. Exactly. This is good podcasting. As many yawns as possible. <laughs> um Miami. At Miami. Played in a gladiatorial style Sunlife Stadium, which has been flooded to uh, include three feet of standing water on the playing surface. So like your basement. Essentially. Sick Too soon. Too <laughs> soon. Nailed it. Are there, are there lions? Sorry. It was right there. I had no choice. Yeah, no, you did. Are there lions and other trappings of the Coliseum or is it just, it's flooded uh, for a few just, feet? It's just the water. And, just then the they're, water. and then they're playing football. They're not, Trying they to are kill playing other. real football otherwise. Okay. That's a good... This is a good one. This is a good one. Um, hmm. Hmm. This is so also a span of three straight road games, if that, that helps. So. Well, it doesn't help the Bills, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Uh, let's see. I think the Bills are going to win this. Um, in part because the Bills are better than the Dolphins. Um, also because the Dolphins are not real Dolphins. I'm trying to think what my yeah. strategy is, though, for this game, right? Like, do you want to run it? Because that seems harder. It seems like the the problem is going to be it's up to your shins, you know, up to their shins, up to my knees or waist. Yeah, or... It's, it's, yeah, it's probably, yeah, that's true. For the taller guys, it's probably not quite to the waist. For the, for the running backs and the DBs, it's probably more. Yeah, yeah it seems like it's really easy to get tackled. So I think you have to try and do everything in shotgun and throw the football. And, like, the kicking game is out. Like, forget it. Like, there's no kickoffs. There's no field goal. I don't know. How are you going to shotgun snap? Well, how are you going to snap at all? I mean, when you're taking the ball out from the center, literally handing it to the quarterback. I, think I guess you, you could do that. Better well, chance of actually the center could let it go and it could float and pop up, right? Like a little bit. I mean, the 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 quarterback can still reach his hands under the center to grab yeah. the ball. It's not. Yeah. It's not. You can see. All it's right. Easy. I still think you need to pass though, because I don't think I think like breaking runs is going to be impossible. Yeah. No. You're. Yeah. Run after catch is going to be bad. And, yeah. And run just in general is going to be. Going to be a lot of slow developing pass plays, but the pass rush is probably going to slow down too, right? I think, yeah, that's true. That's true. Everything will get to be slow. It's like playing in molasses when you're playing. You in know free. what it is? It's you like could, a water polo game. Well, you, like you could push a guy and he'd fall over, right? 
and like be half underwater and the running back would think that there's a hole, but there's not. There's a guy down there who can reach out at him like a zombie yeah. hand. And, you know, it does. It won't take nearly as much to keep him in place. Um, so I think do they, do do the need... Dolphins deploy some of that intentionally. Maybe they. Yeah, right. Into the water and stay low. And then they're like sharks swimming in the water. You don't know where they are. Yeah, it could be a Sharknado situation. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. ability, of course, when you do that. Yeah. Is it a baby shark? Oh, and, sorry, sorry, wrong and, and do you run the risk of drowning if you are not careful? I feel like we're going to have some people drown. And like everywhere, where's Mike? Where's Mike? Oh, Mike. Shit. Mike. You know, that and that equipment's heavy. You think that the equipment's heavy now. Wait till you got like five or six pounds of water in it. Yeah. So I feel like we can't talk about deaths because we had the chimpanzee incident last week. Yeah, that's like, true. We, we don't want to go too dark on, on Wacky Schedule two weeks in a row. <laughs> well, I'm going to take the Bills. I think that the Bills will, will – I think Allen will be able to throw it, and it'll just be a matter of two – like a wide receiver and a DB slogging it down the field. I think Allen is strong enough to, like, fend off people to – you know, and then you can't really plant your feet nicely for a throw, so you've got to have like just like that upper arm strength, and I think that the Bills will be able to – exploit that yeah i mean i don't know why the bills would do anything other than hand the ball to frank gore have him go underwater and cradle the ball and then kick are you going to tell me someone's going to be able to drag frank gore well i guess you could push him from above ground above water gotta sit on him yeah yeah try and get the momentum on him i don't know i feel like the dolphins were just kind of made for this it's kind of like a snow game where it slows the game down so much that it suddenly becomes a, a toss-up and with the the dolphins having home water advantage i i think that's gonna be too much to overcome i will say uh dolphins six to nothing mm. on the strength of one touchdown with mm, no, no extra, extra point, point even tried yeah i think i feel like this is a little unfortunate because i feel like this is one where kelvin benjamin like but like a good kelvin benjamin would help <laughs> Like, well, a good know, Kelvin Benjamin would have helped a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> but you oh, want 2015 like, Kelvin Benjamin. Where were you? you know? Yeah, but you want like the five. You want the guy who can jump four feet in the air, you know, and and has big big size anyway. So I feel like the Bills. I think they keep Duke Williams on the team. He comes in handy for this kind of a game. He gets he gets maybe two TDs. I think I think there is some points scored due to the due to the throwing. So I will say the Bills win this one. I'm going to put it at, uh, let's say, 21-14 Bills. Uh, well, actually, it wouldn't know. It'd be 18-12 tw- or? 18-12, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Maybe there's maybe there's a two-point conversion, but let's just say no. Okay. Okay. Denver Broncos. Now, uh, this is home game for the Bills, except it's not. Mm-mm. They have fallen through. Yes, I've been waiting for a wormhole it's, game. It's 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 one of those unfortunate NFL scheduling quirks. This game actually, Denver Broncos and Buffalo Bills right before the game teleported back to revolutionary France. They are oh. playing. They are playing. Cardinal the Richelieu. Sorry. They're playing. No, he's dead by now. Oh. They're playing in the Jardin Tuileries in 1770, 1780, let's see, I think 
Okay. So real, real height of the terror, real just chaos in the streets, like blood being spilled, you know, no one really like tale of two cities, like, like just kind of borderline anarchy, anybody who reeks of a nobleman or member of the first two states is being swept off the streets and carried off to the Bastille, uh, the San Clot just running amok, uh, and the, the Bills and the Broncos have to play a football game. So go at it. Let's go. Let's go, Paul, first. Yeah, I know. It's my my turn first this time. Man, if you would just ask me this when I was a junior in high school, I would have <laughs> so many clever references right now. Because I remember my college interview at the college I ended up going to. That I, we were studying the French Revolution at the time. They asked me questions about great points in history, and I talked about the French Revolution for a while. So I think my scholarship was based on my knowledge of the French Revolution, which at that time was exceptional and right now uh, accounts for pretty much nothing. Little less than exceptional. Yes, less just than the tiniest bit. Just, just, just a, a shade. So, what state you said about 1790-ish here now? Yeah, I, I, I did not get a chance to do a lot of research, but let's just say the height of the terror. I mean, I think right. Napoleon had kind of taken, gotten onto the scene by like 1793, I want to say. So we're not so, there. Yeah. So before then, but the revolution didn't really start till I want to say 89. Yeah, the revolution officially says 17, July of 1789 through July 1794. So we'll look right in the height of that reign of terror. So yeah, the early 1790s. So you're on on track with with the timing of this. Um, man, I'm trying to think, is there anyone, you know, who would be... Jeez. Uh, are there any French players on the Broncos? Who, And if so, would that serve them well or would that be a disadvantage? Are there any French players on the Bills? I can't even 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 think of anything. French um, NFL players. Right. I mean, right. It's, I mean, we have a Scottish running back. Right. LaShawn of McCoy, the House McCoy. I don't <laughs> know where the Scots were at this point. Probably younger than the English Tom, as they often are. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think if anybody we have else. One, well, no, one French player is... Anthony da- uh, Dable, D-A-B-L-E, Dable Wolf. He is a wide receiver and currently a free agent. Um, but we could also look at, like, French-speaking countries. Right. A lot of Although then this is going to become a 40-minute segment. Yeah, no, we need to wrap this up. So. this out. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say, let's say, I think Robespierre, for some reason, is just going to be exceptionally drawn to Robert Foster. I have no logic in this. I, I don't, you know, maybe it's because Robespierre and Robert are similar names. There's there's no logic, but I think he's going to do what he can to help Robert Foster and advance the Bills' cause. And for that reason, I'm going to say uh, the Bills win this by having 17 of their players survive versus seven for the Broncos. So Bills, 17 survivals to seven living Broncos. I wanted to I wanted to let you off the hook, Paul, but I, I had to save it for myself. You've forgotten. You've forgotten. Oh, no. Okay. First of all, let's just be clear. I believe that the musket available in 1790 would not pierce the NFL arm. Now, you could get shot in the leg. That's going to hurt. But if it's up in the chest or the helmet. Yeah, yeah, shoulder pads. Yeah, you're going to be fine. Yeah. I think you're going to be okay. Yeah. So... 
I think that there's, you know, not going to be an accidental shooting of an NFL player during the French Revolution, which is, to me, the biggest concern. Because what you've forgotten, Paul, is the French hate Americans. Okay? <laughs> they can't stand us. They don't want to know anything about NFL, like, tackle ball. This is not football to them. This is disgusting. And what they will all do is they will look at the game from afar and they will spit and they will put two and they will continue their fight and they will do what they do best, ignore Americans as much as possible. So you wanted last game to be the game that's just a football game? Shockingly, this is the game that ends up being pretty much just a football (laughs) game. Um, And in which case, I'm going to take the Bills, 34 to 24 because i think the offense is clicking at this point everybody's comfortable with josh allen and is we're going to throw three touchdowns in a pick and it's not going to be so bad might be a little bit of plague i don't know like a little bit of sickness not plague plague but you know like some disease <laughs> not, we're not, not plague plague he's got yeah like, you know some much of plague. we might all plague. we might all come home with some diseases that we're not used to but pretty much the french are disgusted by us and leave us to our our nonsense I am going to say that that is incorrect. Oh. Because at this point in history, America was still cool. Just had our revolution. <laughs> One, threw off the, uh, the, yoke. Yoke, the yoke the of the empire ourselves, and as such, become uh, very much a uh, an inspiration for the French. So... Two teams, all speaking English, show up. One wearing the great colors of yep. not just the American flag, but the but the French flag, the, the the tricolor, which probably just about getting started at this point, taking over from the uh, from the maybe, uh, maybe hold on, maybe in a in a in a Back to the Future kind of twist, we inspire the French flag. With our Bills uniforms, with our with our with our regal uh, or not regal because that was yes, be, but our right. plebeian kind of egalitarian red, white, and blue. Yeah, uh, liberty, egalite, fraternite, mm-hmm. les Bills. Um, uh, the process. <laughs> there it is. That's the that's the Aaron Um And then uh, yeah, so I think I think they go nuts. They don't know who these guys showing up in blue, orange, and white are. I mean, that's like maybe Dutch counter-revolutionaries. Who knows? Uh, so we have a rabid, bordering on violent uh, support from the crowd. So I think they, uh, they're they well in favor of the Bills. And uh, as long as we can keep them, like, off the field. I think, like, that's the critical thing. Because they're going to just want to be, like, charging the field. Like, yeah, there's no rules. It doesn't matter. We love you. And they're just going to run on, like, hugging Josh Allen and be like, no, guys, like that's just not going to help us win the game here. So I think provided that the game can actually be completed, the Bills win. Uh, you know, let's say, yeah, I mean, there's still a little bit of a football game here. So I'll say 42 to 17. Big, big home field advantage. All right, you may have swayed me. I like that. All right, good. <laughs> okay. Now we have our last one. And this is a, a very special. Yeehaw! Uh, exactly. We're going to Dallas, to, uh, to Texas, the home of, of great Texas high school football. It was just mm-hmm. in Texas a little while ago. They do like their football. And as a result, the Bills go there a week early. And to really complete the the <clears throat> the uh, <clears throat> promotional tie-ins, marketing strategy for this game, the NFL builds up. 
So they all have to go to high school. And they all have to be high school football players for a week as their current selves, both the Cowboys and the Bills. And as such, they have to get into a lot of Friday nights li- Friday Night Lights style personal problems that may or may not impact their performance on the field. So, Josh Allen, drinking problem. Has to happen. Sorry. Okay. LaShawn McCoy, lady problems. You know, he's he's got one girl, he's He's dating, but he's got another girl on the side. They they find out each other. Now they're talking to each other. Now he's got he's got a lot to think about. Okay, Cole Beasley he just transferred in. He's the new kid. He's got to he's got to figure out where he fits into school. He's found an outlet in football, but is that enough? I don't know. And then <laughs> on the other side, you got Dak Prescott. His dad abusive. You, nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody knows about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. He's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. Mm-mm. Can he win this game with his dad just looking down from the stands? You don't want to know what happens if he doesn't win the game. Nobody wants to. They don't show it. It's not appropriate for, you know, an NBC kind of audience. Yeah, this is like a CW show, I think. This is CW. This is not HBO. We don't yeah. need this. this is not, <laughs> yeah. not that much. This is still for the kids. Um, but we don't want to know. We're not going to get into the details. Right. It's a very special episode, but still for the kids. Yes. Still, yeah. Still for the kids. Not the um, most special episode. But then we got very special. Amari Cooper. He's already looking ahead to college. He's already got colleges lined up. They're calling him. They're they're doing the recruiting. He's got a lot on his mind. He's already thinking ahead. But can he focus again for this game when his teammates are looking to him to to get them over the hump, get them into the playoffs? And then of course you got Jalen Smith, the uh, star linebacker for the uh, for the Cowboys. He's uh he's unfortunately got secret injury. Secret injury. Or wait, no, I was gonna do another one. I was gonna do secret injury, and then I decided no. He needed oh right. Famous, of course, what he needed to do. Um he kills someone. Okay. Monday. <laughs> and then the police start investigating. And he has to he has to to keep low and keep his story straight because he accidentally killed someone. But he's still a good guy somehow, I think. Right, like it, he had a pretty good reason for it, and yeah, me, yeah, I think he, the guy was hassling his girl. Maybe that's what and it, it was, was a little. It was like it's possibly self defense, but we're not sure. Self defense, but you you know, you definitely needed to call the police after it happened, and he didn't do that. They just hit the body. One of yep. those. Yeah. So that for those for those of you that don't know, Scott is actually a very talented writer. And he yes. needs to pursue this a bit more because we love it when we, we get Scott writings and, and sometimes they show a lot of times they show up in, in wacky schedule. So I'm already I'm all in on this. OK, um, I feel like we're, we're missing a couple, you know, maybe we're saving them for season two, though. But uh, if it's a CW show, we definitely you need... add anything. Feel free. Well, you know, the, the I we definitely need gay characters if it's a CW show, and we need one character who is like 100% out, not in doesn't have to be flamboyant, but is like very comfortable with who he or she is. Uh, but then there is another player on the team who is not out and is angry at that player because they're uncomfortable with their own sexuality, and so like we have to we need some. You know, I don't know if that's a Bills player and a Cowboys player or they're both on the same team. Um, and then we definitely need – look, it, me too, man. We need some more women on this show. It's it, It's oh, been all it's been all dudes. 
We need some we need some attractive women who are into the guys. We need some women who are definitely like I can be the kicker. I can probably even be a linebacker if you just freaking let me. Uh, I'm, I'm picturing Kathy Ireland from Necessary Roughness. I was going to say, say, is Carly Lloyd going to make an appearance here? <laughs> uh, someone needs to wear. I was going to put Josh Allen in the in the in the uh, uh, whipped cream bikini, but um, you know that that was from the Friday Night Lights Frank, movie. Where Frank's going with this? Yes. Um, and we definitely need some teachers who and, and administrators who are, are unnecessarily giving the kids a hard time. I would say that maybe one of the teachers is involved uh, in a romantic way with one of the the, the players. Maybe. Oh. Even, and I and I think that that's the one that killed somebody. And like they're all tangled up into like a love nest over there. And it's like, you know, did the teacher convince the student to kill somebody? Um, wow. All right, Frank also known for his creative instincts. But at the end of <laughs> no, the- I just know how to CW this, the the hell out of this. Like, <laughs> but on Sunday they still have to play a football game, Frank. Exactly. So- well, the trial is on Saturday, and it it spills over into Sunday morning, uh, and the player is you know acquitted of all he charges. Gets the, he gets the verdict right before he goes out there. Right. You don't understand. So, the- so he's he's playing in the clear. So he's right. playing with a lot of energy. Clearly. Yeah, and, and it, like the coach comes up and's like. I know. I just, I, Your Honor, I have to say something. <laughs> this is highly irregular, but okay. <laughs> um, this is everything's allowed in the movie. We got a game tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Uh, in in typical, here here's the thing. We don't know the final score because in typical CW fashion, nobody cares about the actual game. It's just a pretext for all of the relationships that are happening, and so. I'd like to say that the audience is the real winners. Boo. Oh, I, that was, I was that gonna was say not unlike Varsity Blues with <laughs> great lead up and then crap at the end. That is You're that right, is, Damon, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse did this this season of Hills <laughs> Blues. Um No, I have no idea how this affects the game. Uh okay, wait, let me let me think of a plot twist here. So the Paul, do you want to go and we'll come I will, back? I will go because I have, you know, this is. You might have an answer. Yeah, go for it. I I don't really have an answer so much as, uh, you know, I, I there's so much going on here that I really actually want to see this play out in reality, but not with any like true tragedy, like not with any real death. Like I want, right. you know, or the person who got killed by Jalen Smith has to be someone who is evil to be to begin with. I think it's at the end of the day, yeah. It's it's football in Texas. You know the Cowboys are going to to win this. They're going to have to do it in dramatic fashion, and you'll see Josh just really hit the bottle after this game. And McCoy's problems all come to the head when his two lady friends confront each other, and Cole Beasley is taunted for transferring schools to the loser, and it's just going to be terrible. Uh, and so you're thinking, wow, the Bills really uh, lost out. But then you see Dak Prescott go to his home and his dad is angry. And that's how how this ends. I so the Cowboys like win the game, but it's still still overwhelming. But really, both teams lose. We OK, so we're a writing team now. This is good. I, 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 I'm convinced by Paul's answer. I think the Cowboys have to win for a happy ending. But it has to be one of these Pyrrhic victories where, like, Uh-oh. I think we have to have, like, Dak Prescott gets injured, not – because we want no, to I think Amari them. Cooper gets injured because he's the one who was looking ahead. Right. And he's show he's showboating. 
he's he's thinking about those recruiting offers and then you know Micah Hyde comes in and lays him out right and like breaks you know but what, I'm, and, what I'm yeah, trying to get at is Dak, Dak Prescott has to not win the game so like the the Cowboys have to win based on somebody else doing something and Prescott sure. has to have a bad game yeah. so his dad so, can still be mad at him yeah Josh Allen you know just drunk you know does not you know somehow yeah he fumbles late you know center snap exchange and he's Jalen Smith runs it back for a touchdown after a Dak Prescott interception would have lost the game for the Cowboys and I think we end with you know are like police sirens going toward like Josh Allen lives next to Dak Prescott and he can hear the violence while he's drinking and all of a sudden he like vomits and falls over and then you hear police sirens and you don't know are they going to Josh's house are they going to Dak's house like what's going to happen like it's you know you hear a gunshot we got to end with a gunshot some it's Texas there's got to be <laughs> off somewhere Al, that's it Allen is thinking about killing himself Maybe Dak not. right Dak knows where his father's gun is and is like maybe gonna finally protect himself and then like we have people outside like the houses you know talking about the game and they're worried about everybody and then they hear a gunshot and then yeah. we don't we don't know who shot the gun in which house fade yeah. to blood season next two season. next season on Bills. whatever the hell this like this is now the podcast we are no longer <laughs> bill's podcast we are going to write this show and we are going to perform it uh, once a week <laughs> for our Patreon. Now, radio play. Yeah. If we can get $200 a month on Patreon, <laughs> I'll I'll make this show. And not only that, but the, the three of us will do all the voices. I will quit my job. Andrew, oh, yeah. We will split $200 a month <laughs> amongst three people. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Th- we are at Dude, we're at an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah this, this is the nice right? thing for me going into our last, into this day in Bill's headlines uh, segment. There's a point like when you're out too late and it's really ticked off your significant other. But there's a point when you've gone out so far beyond that, that you're already screwed. So what's another 10 minutes? <sighs> you know, I, so I feel like I don't even feel rushed at this segment. The anymore. good news is I feel like I'm happy because that was such a lat, like that last game was very good. I felt like that yes. was a great one to end on yes okay uh, now i've got to follow that and this isn't going to be nearly as amazing well look uh b bills mny everywhere so if you want to find us that's how you do it let your friends know about our podcast paul you're going to take us out with this day in bill's history don't linger too long on any answer don't (laughs) wait for us to to, we're not going to get them so just Go for it, and we'll 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 try and rapid fire this. All right, this day in Bill's headlines: fifteen seconds each. Twenty seventeen. Sully's mailbag. Sully's mailbag. Blank bolted for more than social justice. Oh, that was um the Ravens receiver. Damn it. Uh, who is the guy who came, Scott, and then he quit? Bolden. Anquan yeah, Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden. All right, good. Uh, 2016, two questions. Number one, backup offensive lineman blank battling to win Bill's roster spot. He's made a pretty good account of himself, Rex Ryan said of him, who acknowledged he's in the driver's seat for the role. We have to come up with someone who can be a swing center guard. We have to look for that. Richie? Nope, backup, backup. Uh, backup, backup. Craig Urbic? Nope. Quinn Central? <laughs> more, uh, more recent guy. He was guest last week, incorrectly, for right. another. 
Ryan Groy. All right. Here we go. 2016, yeah. number two. Blank deal is the number one priority for the Bills. Entering his fifth season in the NFL, Buffalo Bills cornerback Blank will likely receive a pretty high raise this offseason. His base salary could go from a little over $2 million a year to around $11 million. I think that was Stefan Gilmore. Stefan Gilmore. And I will note that was wrong because he got $13 million a year from the Patriots. So that did go way up. All right. 2015. Blank has a full plate in Buffalo's defense. Wherever the coaches want to put me, I'm excited to be on the field in my role being expanded, he said. I rush the quarterback, cover man-to-man, and drop in the zone, so I've got a full plate. Uh, the hints in 2015, it ended up being the last Mario? of his... Nope, nope, good guess. But 2015 ended up being the last of his three seasons with the Bills. And then in 2016, he was suspended one game for violating the league's personal conduct policy due to a domestic situation during 2015. He appealed the suspension, but it didn't matter because on September 2nd, 2016, he was released by the Bills. The Bills have someone on their team right now who shares this last name and plays a similar type of role. No, I'm out. Uh, Manny Lawson. Lawson. Manny Lawson did all that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right, two questions coming from 2014. 2014, question number one, Buffalo Bills to sign quarterback blank, according to report. Well, blank has never started a regular season NFL game. He does have a track record for coaching up quarterbacks. He's a quarterback coach at Exos, an NFL drafting training center. Having spent time in Chicago, he might have some insight on the Bills' week one opponent. Here's, Here's another hint. He was signed... And then he was cut on August 29th. So he was a Bill for four days. And I do not remember him being uh, a Bills player. Rex Grossman? Nope, nope. But that's as good a guess as any. Uh, He would sign with the Titans. He went one for three to end his career there. I'm going to give the clue that's going to get it for you guys. It's going to be whoever's going to respond first. He is presently training Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. Oh, poops. Chris Sims. No, no. Yeah, I I can see the guy's damn name. As a more famous brother quarterback. Oh, Hasselback. Nope, no, but that's a good guess because you could have Tim and Matt, and Tim Hasselback Mc- did play for the Bills. Not the McCowns. Nope. Um, yeah, his his famous brother quarterback, I believe. He was a top pick of the Bengals, led them to the playoffs, did some good Jordan stuff in there. Palmer. Yes, Jordan Palmer. There it is. The answer. Good job. All right, 2014, number two, expatriate blank, a happy guy in Buffalo. I don't want to keep harping on it. He said, it's over and done. I've moved on. They've moved on. We just have to go our separate ways. I'm happy here. I'm happy to be here. I'm fortunate. Rob Gronkowski. Never a bill. Sorry. You sure? Positive. He was a Buffalonian. Here's the hint. He did indeed play for the Bills in 2014 after leaving the Patriots. And then he played for the Patriots in 2015. And then he played for the Bills in 2016. David Nelson? No, no. Was it the linebacker? It was the linebacker. Oh, what was that guy's? Which guy was that? Damn it. Um, uh, Not even the most famous Bills linebacker with his last name. Five seconds. All right. Go ahead, Scott, unless you're about to chime in with something. Nothing. James, nothing. Brandon Spikes. That's it. Spikes, yeah, that's dumb. Should have got that. 
All right. That's a, I couldn't think of his name, but I could think of him. Yep, if that makes sense. <laughs> All right, 2013, two names in this headline. Bill signed quarterback blank and trade for quarterback blank. The first quarterback, four seasons with Arizona, then a few years between Houston and Oakland. He played poorly in the preseason, was cut on August 30th, so he had a five-day tenure. In other words, one day longer than Jordan Palmer. I have one hint that will give this guy away if you don't have a guess in a few seconds here. We started strong, and I've lost it. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the guess that what will make you guess this, I think, 2004 Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, With the University of Southern um, California. <laughs> Um, oh, um, 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 it's not Matt Barkley. It's not Carson Palmer. It's the guy in between. It's not David, John David Booty. It is, it is Matt Liner. Matt Liner. I had to go through my USC quarterbacks. I know more USC quarterbacks than I thought I knew. Yeah, that was well done. The second quarterback actually did play for the Bills. He was traded uh, they trade linebacker Chris White to Detroit for this guy. He was undrafted out of Duke. He'd spent time with the Rams and Browns, and the Browns waived him after he'd started their season finale against the Steelers, where he went 22 of 32 for 204 yards and a touchdown. Played for the David Bills. Jones. Someone Jones would be incorrect. Daniel Jones. No, not Daniel Jones. This, we, we should remind. I think he started like six games for the Bills in 2013. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Thaddeus Lewis. Thad Lewis. Thad, I feel like, has come up before on this, and I was like, we've got him once. <laughs> All right, here we go. A few more to go. 2010, blank knows time isn't on his side. I won't even give you the full quote. He talks about being in a rut and what you've got to do, you do to work yourself out of it. Now, what's funny is he knew time was on his side. The Bills had actually traded him two years earlier, but he never actually left the team. Because hmm. he failed a physical. What's the position? Is that uh, McCargo? It is McCargo. Yeah, right that, he, I remember that he failed the physical. Yeah. Yep. Um, 2008. This is a tougher one. Roster spot could be around corner for blank. Blank also had an interception against Washington, had a sack against Pittsburgh. He's making a strong case for the Bills to keep six cornerbacks, one more than some teams carry on the 53-man roster. This is a 2006 third-round pick who played with the Bills through 2010. 10, had a cup of tea with Jacksonville, and then his career ended. Hmm. Uh, cool, cool last name. Bakari. No, he, Rambo wasn't. Uh, right. That's a cool last name and a safety, but a little too, a little too early for Bakari. Yeah. Uh, McQueen. Queen's a cool last name. I'll give you the first name. Here we go. Ashton. You Booty, oh, yeah. end, yes. <laughs> Kutcher was a great second guess. All right. This is the this is the last one. This is another one which I enjoyed because I have no recollection of this at all. And you think I would. All right. 2003 Buffalo releases wide receiver blank blank, who was let go by the Oakland Raiders last February, didn't catch a pass in three preseason games for the Bills, who signed him in early June. He played 10 years in the NFL, all with the Los Angeles-Oakland Raiders team, had 256 catches for 4,417 yards and 30 TDs, finishing as the eighth leading receiver in Oakland Raiders team history. And he was one of two L.A. Raiders to remain with the team through Super Bowl 37, the other being fellow wide receiver Tim Brown. 
I was going to joke guess Tim Brown, but yeah. the other, the possibly the big hint, if you depend on how your memory is on this, he won a gold medal in 1992 in Barcelona on the four by 100 meter relay. Oh, um, really fast receiver. He, uh, think of a fast moving, a vehicle that moves quickly through the air. Uh, a jet. Very good. Nice job, Frank. I knew you were thinking oh. of James Jet, the famous, uh, famous Bill. Yeah. Famous Bill for all three games. Yeah. So those are those are all the headlines I want to point out. I will note that I went back to 1989 and did not find a headline immediately, but uh, I did go to the classifieds and say, uh, see, Buffalo Bills needed full and part-time cooks and dishwashers, experience and asset, but not necessary. Apply in person. So. That, that classified appeared in the Lethbridge Herald in 1989 on August 26th, this day in Bill's headlines. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, until, again, B Bill's MNY everywhere. That's where we are. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back after next week's preseason game. And, uh, guys, we're going to get it under control next week. We're going <laughs> to get it to an hour. Um, thank you so much for listening. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.